our help does not come from anywhere on the earth. It comes from heaven, outside help. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembry. I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV. We are discovering the Bible as we go through it. We're looking at Psalm 121. This is a very important passage. And as we read these verses, we're going to listen to what God says to us. We'll do that in a minute. Right now, Corey and Reiner here. Corey? This is my second day of taking a look at biblical miracles and our responses to those miracles. Ryan? Well, you know, the Psalms declare many times and in many different ways that the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above shows his handiwork. Well, one man who took this very seriously was the founding father of physical astronomy, Johann Kepler. We'll talk about him a little bit later. Very good. Excellent. What did you do, Jim? Today's segment, always available. All right, take your Bible guide out, get your Bible out. Let's look at what God said to us and open it up right now. Psalm 121. I will lift up my eyes to the hills, from whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve you from all evil, he shall preserve your soul. The Lord shall preserve your going out and your coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. Psalm 121. As we read through the Bible, if we're doing that, and I encourage you to do so, we're reading Psalm 120, 121, 122. 123, 124, and 125. Seems like a lot of Psalms, but they're short. And it's very interesting. Today, we're gonna to focus on Psalm 121, verses one through eight. You know, over the years, there have been many musicians who have played the Psalms to their own style of music. Now, while the melodies written were beautiful, that's not what makes it remarkable. The words do the work because they are words that God, through His Holy Spirit, has given us. The Psalms are given to us through the Word of God, so that we can pray, we can sing, we can meditate on them. They are stunning in their revelation and truth. Some of these songs were written to begin singing from a location, and then as the people traveled over distance, they came closer together, their voices would synchronize and harmonize to form beautiful wonder of the music of the Lord. These special psalms were called songs of ascent. Three times a year, the people of God would come to Jerusalem and worship. And as they came closer together, they would sing these songs of ascent. Psalm 121 is one of the songs of ascent. It really is interesting when you begin to think it through and begin to understand what God is saying. 
Now, I, I, I just need to tell you that if you don't have your Bible guide, why not get your Bible guide? Now, this book is the most important book of all. We've got a lot of Psalms we're reading, but there's one we're focusing on, and that's 121, eight verses. So I need you to understand that we're going to take a look at these eight verses and listen to what God is saying to us. So write for your Bible guide today, and uh, we'll send it to you. Call us or write us or go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com, BibleDiscoveryTV.com. We'll take you to a donate page. And can I say, I just want to say thank you so much for your donations. I really appreciate them. And if you want to donate, well, praise God. It just means that you're becoming a part of getting God's word out there. We read God's word every day on this program and on about 100 stations that we broadcast on, plus the internet uh, and the radio and all the things we do. We're just getting the word of God out there. Uh, five days a week, this is here. And we do some other things too, but that's the idea. So thank you so much for that. It takes you to a place where you can download the PDF file as we've printed the guide and you're seconds away from joining us. So BibleDiscoveryTV.com is where you can go. And by the way, there is a 24-7 live stream there as well. We put on for you. It's all of our programs we do. And some people find it interesting. So there you go. Uh, our program's there as well. So if you're watching on BibleDiscoveryTV.com, how you doing? Good to see you there. Anyway, uh, we need to pray and ask the Lord, Father, help us to hear this. Help us to see this today. We need to understand the Psalms from a different point of view. Your Holy Spirit, thank you, Lord. In Jesus' wonderful name, and we said together, amen. Now, look at Psalm 121, verses 1 and 2. This is amazing. I love this. I will lift up my eyes to the hills. He says, I'm going to look to the hills. From where comes my help? Where is it coming from? Ah, I see. Verse 2. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. <laughs> look, I'm just telling you. Our help comes from the Lord, not from this life, beloved. Our help doesn't come from this life. Nothing on earth. Our help comes from God. The Lord has won every battle we have or will ever face. Trust in him. In the name of Jesus Christ, trust in the Lord. On the $1 bill, on the $5 bill, the 10, the 20, and so on, of the American money, it says, in God we trust. Do we really? Do, we, do you trust God? Do I trust God? We need to trust the Lord. We need to pray to him. Things going on in this world that are crazy. But we pray to God and God makes a way for us. We've seen this happen and it continues to happen. So trust in the Lord. Now, Psalm 121 continues. It's a great Psalm. Verse three says, he will not allow your foot to be moved. No, he won't. He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. He doesn't sleep. God doesn't sleep. Behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. Which leads me to point number two. God never sleeps, but is always watching over those who trust in him. Trust in God. We must learn to trust in God. Listen, I'm going to tell you three words that are really important. Here they are. It'll change your life. I, it, it will. Trust in God. Three words. Trust in God. Now, I, I know that you say, oh, yeah, good, but think about it. 
Do you trust in the Lord for your paycheck for every? It's the Lord, not the union. It's the Lord, not the boss. It's the Lord. Do you trust in the Lord to preserve you for your house and for your sustenance and for your ability? Beloved, trust in God. We need to learn to trust in the Lord because that's what the Lord is showing people, that if people trust in him, they'll be taken care of. Very interesting. Psalm 121, verses 5 to 8. This is really important. Listen carefully. The Lord is your keeper. In other words, in those days, people who took care of things were called keepers. So the Lord is your keeper. If you've trusted in God, he is responsible to keep you from any evil. The Lord is your keeper. That's amazing. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve you from all evil. Now, all evil. That's very important. Listen to that. He shall preserve your soul. The Lord shall preserve your going out and your coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. God is the one we trust. We are preserved by God for all of time and even beyond time. God is the help of those who seek him. Praise the Lord. You know, somebody said to me once, what does that mean to seek the Lord? Well, it means that you want Jesus, that you make time to pray because you want him. You make time to read his word because you love him. Simply put, it's not that you have to do it today. I got to go pray. I got to go. It's not that for me. It's not that. And for others, it's not that many others. It's that we want to because we are reaching beyond anything in this world, beyond anything in this world. And we're saying, Lord, I need you. Help me. And you know what God does? He helps us. The Lord helps us. And he comes down and he says, I'm going to touch your soul. And he touches our soul. And wow, that's amazing. Because the Lord has made us alive. We need to trust in the Lord. We need to live this, beloved. We need to understand this because this is something that God is trying to say to us. And actually, uh, the forefathers of America tried to say that to us. But this is something that God's Holy Spirit is speaking to us now. Trust in the Lord. It's time now to carry on with our Bible study. And you know, the Psalms in many different places declare the heavens explicitly as the work of God's hands. And probably the most well-known Psalm is Psalm 19. It begins with that unforgettable declaration. The heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above shows his handiwork. Well, it certainly does. And one person who firmly believed that the heavens were the work of God's hands was the founding father of physical astronomy, Johann Kepler. 
As a matter of fact, his strong belief in the creator God of the Bible led him to some truly groundbreaking discoveries, and we'll get to those discoveries on the next program. But today, I want to spend some time and look at the life of this godly man. He definitely didn't have an easy life. Nevertheless, he remained faithful to his God. Born in Germany in 1571, Johann Kepler obtained a scholarship and began attending the University of Tübingen in 1587. There he studied mathematics, astronomy, Latin, Hebrew, Greek, and the Bible. Kepler's math and astronomy professor was Michael Maslin, who was one of the few astronomy professors of that time who taught Nicholas Copernicus's idea of a sun-centered solar system. After receiving his bachelor's and master's degrees, he began studying theology since he had committed himself to Jesus at a young age. Kepler believed only and alone in the service of Jesus Christ. He said, in him is all refuge, all solace. Although Kepler's plans were to serve as a minister, he ended up teaching math at a high school in Graz, Austria, and eventually became district mathematician. This involved surveying land, settling disputes over the accuracy of weights and measures used in business, and calendar making. Today, Kepler is considered to be the founder of physical astronomy and one of the founding fathers of modern scientific study as a whole. In fact, it was he who discovered the laws of planetary motion and who established the discipline of celestial mechanics. Kepler's three laws of planetary motion helped us understand the seasons, phases of the moon, tides, eclipses, and even laid the groundwork for Isaac Newton's later work on universal gravitation. He also definitively demonstrated the Copernican view of the solar system and published the first ephemeris tables for tracking star motions, contributing also to eventual development of the calculus. Kepler even cleared up much of the confusion in his day between astrology and astronomy. As he made calendars, he would check the accuracy of his predictions in order to determine which were legitimate and which were not. In his 1601 publication, called On Firmer Fundaments of Astrology, he rejected the superstitious view that stars guide the lives of human beings. Although Kepler was absolutely brilliant, he did not have an easy life. From a young age, he struggled with his health and had tragedy after tragedy as he witnessed the deaths of three of his six children, as well as his first wife. He was repeatedly persecuted for his refusal to follow rules which were contrary to the Bible, and even had to stand trial for his mother, Katharina, who was accused of witchcraft. It was only Kepler's skillfully drawn-up legal defense that saved her from being burnt at the stake. Remarkably, however, even through all of these trials, Kepler remained loyal to his God. He stated his faith simply, saying, I am a Christian. He also, regardless of his many incredible achievements, remained tremendously humble. His desire was to let his own name perish if only the name of God the Father is thereby elevated. You know, it was the scholar Dr. Henry Morris who said that one of the most serious fallacies of modern thought is the widespread notion that biblical Christianity is in conflict with true science, and therefore that genuine scientists can't believe the Bible. But it mustn't be forgotten that thousands of scientists of the past and present have been and are Bible-believing Christians. As a matter of fact, tomorrow we'll see how Kepler's beliefs actually led him to discover his now-famous planetary laws of motion. You know, that, that is really true, and that's really interesting because a lot of people don't understand that Johann Kepler was, in fact, uh, reading the Bible. 
uh, they don't understand a lot of these scientists who are reading the Bible. And uh, this, this is fascinating. It's the, the migration in the past 60 years that has, and really it goes before that. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it's really, really interesting. Anyway, thank you, Ryan. Corey? Well, speaking of reading the Bible, today you and I are going to be taking a look at um, biblical miracles and how our culture today tends to deal with those miracles of the Bible. Take a look. The Bible records many amazing actions of God within its pages, face-to-face -face talks, supernatural creatures, one-time natural events as a direct result of God's interference, like the flood, the rainbow, and the ten plagues of Egypt. The Bible records miracles like the Red Sea crossing, the stopping of the Jordan, and the destruction of the walls of Jericho. Today's Western world finds these events intolerable. If we don't see or experience these things today, then they must be impossible, which we should be reminded is a part of the definition of a miracle, something very unusual that without the outside interference of God would be impossible. People have responded to the miracles of the Bible in many ways. Wholesale rejection of them as myth or legend, wholesale acceptance of them as possible for a creator God, and attempts at explanation that often reach into the natural world. Perhaps, for example, the stopping of the Jordan River during Joshua's conquest of Canaan was caused by an earthquake, since the Bible says the water flow was stopped up in a heap at the city of Adam, and to this day, earthquakes and landslides are known to periodically cause interruptions in the river's flow. Natural explanations like this go some way in making us modern men feel more comfortable. But when analyzed more closely, even if the Jordan was stopped by a landslide, the chances of it stopping right when the priests carrying the Ark began walking into the river are astronomical. In other words, it would still be classified as a miracle of God who told the Israelites when to walk into the Jordan in the first place. Other natural explanations seem to expose our willingness to believe in anything but miracles, or perhaps on the other hand, to try to scientifically bolster the credibility of our belief in the God of the Bible. Good examples of this are found in the natural explanation theories given for the Ten Plagues of Egypt. Popular theories see harmful algae invade the Nile due to violent storms upriver, or likewise a harmful organism invades the Nile and begins attacking fish. These are equated to the first plague of the Nile River turning to blood, which then begins a chain reaction that accounts for the first six plagues. While these theories seem to offer intriguing possible methods for the miracles of God, they only potentially account for the first six plagues, with a new sequence of natural events needed for the final four. They're also not evidenced by any known activity in the area. Scholar Brad C. Sparks has convincingly shown these explanations themselves would require rather miraculous circumstances to begin in the Nile. One of the algae in question naturally occurs in stagnant or slow-flowing rivers, not at all matching the description of the Nile, and others only occur in cold temperatures, making them incompatible with the tropical Nile. Interestingly, these natural explanations themselves would still require something rather miracle-like to have occurred. Whichever way we cut it, the Bible serves us a challenge. The question is, how will we respond?
So the idea behind this segment is just to draw out uh, this idea that the Bible is inherently a challenge to us on so many different levels. You know, no matter what culture that we come from, whether even if we were born a thousand years ago and we were reading these things, it would challenge us. It is meant to challenge us. So this idea uh, of of miracles in our modern Western society today is a challenging one. And so the question really is, how will we respond and how are you in, as an individual responding today? And I think that it's important to remember that our motivations, they can be a trap. They can be a sneer to us. We learned this in First Samuel when the prophet Samuel anoints, uh, you know, he goes to anoint who's going to be King David and he sees David's brother first. And his brother is a very impressive physical specimen. So, oh, wow, this must be the guy. And God says to Samuel, no, Samuel, you, man looks at the outward appearance, but I look at the heart. So our motivations can be a snare and a trap to us. So we have to be careful. So let's not fall into the trap of denying God's miracles simply out of embarrassment that they're, they're, it's just, oh, do you believe in the supernatural? Um, sort of, sort of. Like, let, let's not deny God's miracles out of embarrassment, but let's also not overcorrect the other way and try to justify some of the beliefs that our culture looks, looks down upon by explaining these naturalistically or scientifically. So can some of these be explained scientifically or naturalistically? Possibly, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm trying to focus in on here is the motivation. Let's not try to justify our own beliefs by explaining things scientifically or naturally. Very, if you understand my drift. <laughs> very interesting. And it's a really could lead on to a whole other discussion about mm -hmm. a whole bunch of things, but we don't have time for it. But we'll carry that on later. Jan? Yes. All right. I titled this segment, Always Available. And I'm going to start off with a statement first. The soul who cries out to the Lord for help has put his or her trust in the great creator who is also the savior and has found a secure salvation and everlasting life. That is our God, the help of those who seek him. And those of us who have been seeking him and have found him and are getting to know him day by day, know that to be true. As the psalmist did, I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. And every time I read that passage, I think about being a parent and those nights when you're deep in sleep and all of a sudden you hear that little voice calling you mommy daddy and and you're startled out of this deep sleep and i can remember when our kids were little hearing those little cries for help in the middle of the night and half the time i was up out of bed and halfway down the hallway before my eyes were even fully opened and then you know to be able to go in and to be attentive to what the the cries are about whether it was you were thirsty or whether you had a bad dream or whatever it was and and recognizing that our heavenly father doesn't sleep he doesn't slumber. 
what am I trying to say? I think those of you who are parents, grandparents, aunts and uncles, you know what I'm getting at. That our God is always available. And to those of us who seek after Him and have a relationship with Him, and that can be you. If you're just tuning into this program today for the very first time and you don't really know what I'm talking about, you don't even you don't need to know about God, you've never read the Bible before, you've never even known that other people read the Bible or even pray. We are a family who have dedicated our lives to the Word of God and reading it every day. Just like taking nourishment, like we eat and we drink, it's just as important for our souls to get that Word of God inside of us, to have that relationship with a God. And you say, well, how do I do that? I I don't understand how to do that. Well, you know, God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to come and to teach and to walk among us and to, to learn, but ultimately to give His life on a cross. He shed His blood on a cross. And when he did that, he died. And in his death, gave us forgiveness of sins, the freedom from sins, if we would ask him to do that. And he was put it placed in a tomb, and three days later, he came back to life to give us the gift of eternal life. This is Jesus Christ, our Lord, the Son of God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And when we come to him and we say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you came. I believe that you died on the cross. I believe that you rose again. And I need you in my life. I don't want to do this life by myself anymore. I need you in my life. I want you to be the Lord of my life. Would you come in? Would you forgive me of my sins? And I promise you, with your help every day, I'm going to follow after you. And if you say that, if you mean those words, God will do that. God will come in. And he will be your heavenly father. And when you go through troubles, just like this psalmist, I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence comes my help. No, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. This great God, this creator God is the Lord and Savior. And he can give you that salvation. And whenever you call out to him, he doesn't even sleep. He's there for you 24-7 every day, every moment, in the good times and in the troubled times. So put your trust in God. Give your heart and your life to Him. And you're not going to be perfect. We keep ourselves in God's Word. We keep in relationship with Him. And He is our great help, always. On Facebook, on YouTube, and on Bible Discovery TV, we are live Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 3.30 to 4.30 New York time or Eastern Standard Time. Now that's around the world. We're live and we pray for you. In fact, I need some prayer partners, so join me. 
Um, and we'll also pray for others. That's what we need to do and begin to pray for each other. Today, let's pray and say, Lord, I want to praise your name for helping and preserving my soul today. 